Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to the penultimate episode of SFP Now for 2018. Uh, we'll be doing um, a best and worst of episode based on you know what what we have watched this year um, and maybe what we've not watched. We'll sort of go with critics' response. But joining for this episode, which is basically looking back at the eleven season Dot Who. Um, we'll be taking a look at Elseworlds, the, uh, the big DC Comics event, and. Uh, we're talking about the uh, the last episode of Arrow before Elseworlds, where he gets out and he goes on mass. So, but to talk with me about all that um, is Raisa. Welcome to the show. Oh, hello. Yeah. Well, yeah, I love that surprising voice. You, I, you know, I've been trying to get you to act for about two years, and suddenly you do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> you know, and the Oscar goes to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ah, I was I was going for you know uh, for enthusiastic, and I think I <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Okay, um, so yeah, we're gonna go with um, we're gonna get kind of a uh, enthusiastic about Doctor Who. So we just had the eleventh season. The eleventh season has uh, just ended as of last week. Uh, we only have the uh, New Year's Day special to come. And, you know, the, the 11th season for me, it's had some good points, but it's mostly been kind of a, a mere season. It's something that's just been missing from it for me. Yeah, I, I have to say the same. I mean, the performance level stuff has been awesome and the character dynamics have been very solid. And I, I like this group of people. Uh, I think they're I think they're very promising. But the writing going on around them, with the exception of one or two of the historicals, was not particularly brilliant. Yeah, but even the historicals were kind of, you know, kind of had weaknesses in them. You know, they were, I've, I've they re- were a bit boilerplate. Yeah, I've rewatched um, it. I've rewatched them, and it's like um, in in Rosa, for example, every single white person that they bumped into in Deep South was a racist so and so. Yeah, and, and which, a lot of them were, but not all of them were. Yeah, which which is which is which is right with the time. You know, a lot of them would have been racist so and so's. But there also would have been sort of like progressives, most likely students, university students. That would have been helping with the uh, with, with the civil rights movement and and would have sided with Rosa Parks and I think it kind of it kind of ruined the episode that they didn't include you know someone like that in the narrative and and, yeah, and, and, I it, think, and it ruined. I think part of the problem is that they were they were trying to write it for too general an audience. Mm. But but I think it ruined the episode because it kind of went against what Chibnall was trying to embrace in his uh 
in his series, which is inclusivity. Uh. And, and, and by sort of like disregarding, you know, the minority of whites that would have been sort of like helpful or sympathetic to the cause, he, he, he kind of, that, that kind of ruined, ruined the episode a little bit, you know? You're, you're not wrong. It's a, it's a solid critique. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping that he learned from this season and took everything that worked and is figured, figuring out ways to improve on what didn't. Um, I just, I, I would like to see more of the character dynamics with the companions. I thought that was solid. I thought that he had a lot to go with, with those actors. Um, they need, he, uh, he needs to do with more with Yaz. Mm-hmm. She was, she was underutilized. Um, even, even with Demons of the Punjab, she was still largely underutilized. I also think that Jodie Whittaker needs to have her doctor moment. She's not had her doctor moment yet. No. And that no. needs to happen in the second season. Uh, because if it doesn't, she's not going to be credible. No, they've, they've had what I think, they've had what I think they thought were doctor moments, but they never quite got there. No, well, the trouble is, she's she's imitating too much of Tennant and Matt Smith. That is not enough of her coming through. That's true. Although you have to wonder how much of that is her performance choice and how much of that is her getting notes from the producers because they don't want her to depart too much from Tennant Smith. Yeah. You have to wonder if that if that's if that's producers' fear as much as anything else. Yeah, I I think I think the producers need to uh you know take you know take the red pill and get over their fear. And and let let her bring something of her own to the performance because if she doesn't, she's not going to be credible. I mean, the fact no. of the matter is, um, the only one, the only person that didn't have to bring anything you know, that had the hardest job was was Hartnell. He kind of had to start it all going, and and uh, the first doctor was him. And then you had Troutman, who was vastly different from Hartnell. Then you had Pertwee, who was um, different again from Troughton. Yes. And, and, and Baker, who was different again from the predecessors. Since Baker, all the other actors I have sort of like drew from those first four incarnations to some extent, as well yeah. as adding their own thing to it. You know, like, True. Um, you know, like, for example, Colin Baker, he had sort of like a bit of Hartnell's darkness and edginess to him and, 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 and the grumpiness sort of thing. Um, and uh, you know, you, you you could say that Matt Smith uh, borrowed quite a lot from uh, from Troutman, but Matt he did, and, and, he, and he spoke about the fact, and that's and, what he did. But Matt Smith, even though he borrowed a lot from Troutman, there was a lot of Matt Smith in there, and uh, yes, there was. And he, he had his he had his doctor moment in the first season, and I think it was in the episode Unbound. Yes. That he had his that he had his first proper doctor moment. Tennant had it in the Christmas invasion, you know, when 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 he sort of like took out the uh, the Christmas you know monster at the end. The uh, I forget the the name of the race. The Sycorax. The yeah. But when when he sort of like took out the Sycorax at the end, he sort of like went through his speech. He went, "No second chances. Yeah. You know, this planet is protected." And, you know, sort of like, uh, that's been overused this season. This planet is protected. This planet is protected. You know, and it's been oh. overused. I mean, <laughs> the elements I did like about her, Doctor, was the, uh, what was when she when she made her own sonic screwdriver and said Sheffield Steel. I thought that was quite funny. That but was lovely. The, the that was whole, actually lovely. But the whole thing where she was putting the goggles on and the mask and stuff like that, I want. I, I. I. wouldn't mind seeing more of that because that's actually yeah. kind of unique to her. Yes. You know. Yes. And it. 
because we, we've never seen a doctor make the sonic before. We've alluded yeah. to the fact that the doctor acquires different versions of it, but they never actually discussed the process of that within the narrative. So it was it was cool to actually watch her make her own sonic without access to the TARDIS and just whatever she, whatever she had on hand. And that was kind of cool. And what I also thought was quite fun about it is it kind of channeled that World War Two World War Two spirit of the um, of the posters of the women, you know, with the biceps and um, yes, the, the kind yeah, of right, yeah, yeah. It kind of it kind of sort of like uh, echoed back to the spirit of Rosie the Riveter and you know and uh, the, the women that that sort of like took over a lot of the factory jobs from the blokes when when the blokes went off to war. And and yeah, you know, stupidly enough, when the blokes came back from war, the women were back in, you know, were back being housewives and stuff like that, yeah, which was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say that whatever we think of the writing this season, um, the casting in general has been excellent. The, uh, in addition to the regulars, the guest cast was excellent this season, mm-hmm. and they they often made more of what they were given than what they were given. Yeah, Mark Addy and uh, Alan Cumming, a case in point. Yes, um, I'll have to say Alan Cumming absolutely rocked it as as King James the first. And my favorite part about that was um, the one aspect of that script that I really liked is the part where he's off with Ryan, and he's trying to explain to Ryan, you know, all of the bad stuff that happened to him. And historically, that's that is all the bad stuff that happened to King James. His his outlook was absolute crap, but it was earned crap. It was not happening in a vacuum. Um, it was sort of a garbage in, garbage out situation. Yeah, a bit like Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. man, what a don't, shit joke. Don't get either of us started on yeah, Brexit. That, It'd that, be a whole that, conversation. That's, that's turned into a complete shit show. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, man. It's all like... Um, I just want to go back to uh, 2016 and rig the bang at somehow so it's 52% remain. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, I get why she survived. She survived because nobody else really wants the job because it would be no better for them than it is for her. Yeah. Well, but, I, I'm just glad that she survived because if she had she not survived, we would have got somebody worse like Boris Johnson or Esther. Oh, Vine. sweet Jesus. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. And the fact that that's and the fact that that's coming from an American should tell you something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you only know about you only know of Boris Johnson. You don't know about Esther McVeigh, but there you go. Um, but uh, vaguely, but yeah. Mo- moving moving on. So moving on. Yeah, we, yeah so. we'll get sidetracked. This is awful. Um, the. Uh, I mean that that's that's something I can see Dot Who if it survives another twenty years I can see Dot Who harking back to this conversation and doing that, do, doing that you know sort of like episode where Britain is divided. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's it's a Dot Who in episode for waiting for about twenty years time. <laughs> it, it might it might even be a big finished production. It would probably do better as a big finished production. It, truthfully, more than likely would. Um, but yeah, um, I. I um, you know, I've loved, I've thought um, the chemistry between Ryan and Graham um, in, in, in the series has been absolutely brilliant. Their, their, their subplot and their coming to grips with each other was actually my favourite part, narratively. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you are right in what you say about Yaz. Um, in fact, there's a, an element of the fan base that are actually comparing her to Adric. Um, I wouldn't compare her to Adric. I would compare her to more like Nyssa. 
mm-hmm. and that she she has the capacity to be very interesting, but they're just not going where they need to go. Yeah, I mean, I think you know. To be honest, um, as you know, I've been watching the uh, the nineteenth season of of the original series of Doctor Who, which is mm-hmm. Peter Davison's first season. And I hate to say it, but Nissa's actually more interesting than Yaz, and and and, and she 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 was the undeve- underdeveloped character from from that era, as you say. Yeah, yeah, I adore Nissa. She's actually my favorite Fifth Doctor companion, and the work they did with her through Big Finish um, is is wonderful. And even even before I got involved with Big Finish, I always understood the potential of of, of Nissa, um, especially relative to um, the modern era of mythology with the time war, because what happened with Trocken was could be seen retroactively as preview of coming events, mm-hmm. and uh, and they and she had a lot of potential. Her her backstory and how she ended up on the TARDIS was ex- extremely Shakespearean and extremely British and, and, and tragic and tragic and and fit and fit mm-hmm. with that universe in ways that a lot of fans don't really want to acknowledge. Because here's the thing. There's a generation of fans who, whatever you think of the time war, whatever you think of those decisions on the part of the modern writers, the time war did fit to the extent that the Doctor Who universe was always a bit darker. Mm-hmm. These characters were not having a good time. They never were. It just so happens that they were able to cover it up with a certain level of humor and quirkiness and warmth. But what underlay that was still not awesome. Mm-hmm. It was it was always a precarious universe, and that was something that's that's been a little difficult to convey to the new fans who've only got modern who to go by. Um, but it, it makes sense, and Nissa Nissa was in keeping with that, and I, I always felt like they could they could have done a, a lot more than they did. And Yaz is basically the Nissa of the current era, as far as I'm concerned. And that's not the only paranoid either, because uh, if you look at Davison's first season. And look at uh, Jodie Whittaker's first season. Um, they're both being, they're both see, both those seasons are actually being criticised for having too many companions in TARDIS. And I, I don't think it's necessarily a good argument. I think it's the way you use the companions. If you've got three companions, you basically split off into groups of two and have yes. the Doctor and one companion do, doing stuff, and and uh, the the other two companions doing do, doing stuff like you did in that, the, the finale. And that was actually a really good aspect of the finale that I liked. Yeah, of all yeah, the They get a little bit better as as they progress, but I, I agree they they need to they need to work on that. I mean, episodes like Demons of the Punjab is proof that that Yaz has places to go, and I and I would like them to address how much her her nan remembers mm-hmm. because you know that she remembers, and I and I would kind of like her nan to become. Um, the wilf of the thirteenth of the thirteenth Doctor era, where maybe she even goes on a few adventures with Yaz, you know, in later life, that would be cool. Oh, maybe, um, maybe she's a time lady that evacuated to Earth during the time war. They could go. To, they could do that. You know, they could they go could. that route. That you know, it'd probably be a bit unbelievable, but <laughs> it would. It would. But I mean, they they have they've laid something down where they could do more with her nanny than they have. Although, although the, what they started with was certainly good enough. And you're right, because partition is not an automatic subject. And, and they figured out how to make it work. And, and I read an article with the uh, author of the episode where he's basically talked about, you know, he had all of this stuff that he wanted to say about partition, and he had to figure out how to condense it into a 45-minute episode. And he knew how daunting it was. 
And considering his mandate, I actually thought that was one of the strongest episodes of the season. I, I think he did a pretty good job because uh, the first thing I did after I, after I read, after I watched that episode and reviewed it, is um, I, I went online and just, you know, went on a little bit of reading, bit of a reading spree about the partition. Because it all happened before I was born, and yeah. you know when I was when I was in school, because of the nature of my school school education and the fact that I moved around so much, I never really got much history. So everything historic that I've learned, I've learned it through sort of like you know the History Channel and documentaries and stuff like that, which probably right. means that I've got got a bit more, you know, probably means I've got a better sense of history than history students, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, cer- certainly secondary school history students. I won't say university, but certainly secondary school. But it's all like um, it. It made me sit up and take notice, and maybe you know, and read up about the partition and stuff like that. I'd always been aware of it, and always been aware that that it was a huge mess. Um, you know, because because of the uh, the the, the uh, British colonising in India and stuff like that. And, and the slow, painful withdrawal, and it was it was a it was a huge mess, and it, the, the mess actually kind of dates back to you know the you know the Second World War and certain deals that were made. Yeah, and stuff yeah, because like basically, because basically, the Second World War culminated in three old three old white men around a map in mm-hmm. a city called Yalta, and they basically played Monopoly with the known world and divided it up in some very arbitrary ways. And uh, and whole countries sprang up, and whole other countries ceases to ceased to exist, and it was it was it was very fracked. In fact, we're we're lucky that po- the populations came out of it as well as they did. Um, it was it was very fracked. And putting aside putting aside real life history and going back to what I was saying earlier, um, and just dealing with Doctor Who mythology relative to all of that, um, the fact that the episode ended with thirteen having to walk away stoically as a bullet shot rang out in the background speaks to not only the tone of the new series in some ways, but also just the tone in general of the series as a whole, because that darkness was always there. It was always there. And that's the thing, that darkness was always there, as you say. That, that, That really should have been, you know, had it been handled by a better, better riding team and stuff like that, that really yeah. should have been Jodie Whittaker's doctor moment. That walking away, you know, it, it, they they could have caught a dark, you know, dark dark edgy expression on her face, which would have been the doctor moment. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, as is in as much to say, I'm walking away from this, but I don't want to walk away from this. This is making me really, really sodding angry, sort of yeah. thing. You yeah. know, she need she needs to sort of like channel that muck. Um, that that tenant could do, that Baker could do, and Capaldi could do it. You know where you know it's it's just yeah. it's a facial expression which sort of like it sort of like uh, says pretty much everything in in the context of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's not had that yet. No, you get you get the sense you get the sense from interviews with her that Whitaker knows what what is and isn't going on. So it's simply a question of what of what the writers do going forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the trouble is with the writing team is the only one that's got any experience with science fiction out of that team is Chris Chibnall. Yeah, or, and he's not, he's not who I would have picked. He's just not who I would have picked. 
I don't think he's who, you know, I, I um, you know, to be honest, the, the, the selection of writers for, for science fiction, um, you know, to, to, to produce science fiction show is pretty it's thin. I, it's pretty it's thin. Limited. You know, after, 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 uh, after Moffat, there wasn't really anyone, to be honest. That's why Chibnall got it. Yeah. You know, they they could have approached Gatiss, but I think Mark Gatiss probably would have turned it down because he, he's doing his own thing. And that's and he, he he just doesn't want. I don't think Gatiss, you know, would want to be tied down to no. for like four years of producing Doctor Who. I mean, I, w- I would have chosen Cornell or Whitehouse, and that, and one of them will probably get it after Chibnall stint. Truthfully, I don't think Cornell's doing TV work anymore. I think he's uh, more focused on writing writing his novels now. Um, oh, and he's, okay. that's 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 what it, that's what it was about eighteen months ago when I when I last read one of his blogs. He he kind of um, he, he was he was sort of like putting putting aside doing tying stories for comics and was really more focused on his novels than, than TV. Okay, right, so. So, so in other words, he's just sort of, he's gone off of TV as a medium for a while. That, yeah. that, that makes sense. I, I think, I, I just think he, he's not, he's not really had much luck with it um, outside of Doctor Who. Okay. You know, and, um, and, you know, that doesn't mean to say that he won't come back to it at some point, you know, but, you know, as you say, it's hard to say, I mean, there's Cornell and there would have been, um, you know, what, what about uh, Sherman? his name now he, he, he was under he was under he was a uh, he, he wrote quite a few episodes for uh russell t davis yeah he was he was one of the, he was one of the better russell t davis writers um after after moffat yeah i mean i'm just wondering if he might might be a shoe in for it but you know whatever it is it's going to be it's going to be um yeah it's going to be after the current regime so we're gonna have to wait a couple of years at least yeah i think it's probably only gonna be a couple of years so uh, True, because like, I get the feeling that, that regardless of what happens with Whitaker specifically, I, I get the feeling that they're heading toward a rest for the for the franchise in general. And you know what? If that happens, I wouldn't lose sleep because I've come to the realization that um, Big Finish is actually better than the show proper. Yeah, well, and, well I, think, I think we've both been at that realization for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and I, I always thought that they were doing better in terms of the um, classic elements, but now that the BBC has actually started to farm out some of the more modern stuff, um, they're, they're doing the best versions of some of the more modern characters as well. And the fact that the BBC is farming out so many of the modern characters this early in the histories of those modern characters should tell you where the BBC is with those characters. I think I think the BBC is getting ready to rest um, the series for a while, with the exception of the spin-off stuff like Big Finish. I think that's precisely why they're farming out so many of the modern characters. And it's probably why they're taking such a big chance by uh, casting the first female Doctor. It's because they know they're heading out, so then why not take a risk before we rest it? But yeah. you know, here's the thing: the there's a lot of a uh, there's a lot of news online, mixed mixed news about the ratings, and the ratings have actually been better than Tenants. I've heard that they've been good. I just didn't know how much because because the only ratings I got, the only ratings we got this side of the pond were the ratings for the premiere. Well, what they've started doing now is they they've stopped counting the overnight figure as the uh, as a final figure um, because let's face it, um, people time shift more now than, than than they ever used to when Dave yeah. Tennant series yeah. was on the air. You know because 
when David Tennant's series was on the air, iPlayer was in its infancy, you know. Um, yeah. In fact, I know someone I know someone that was actually helping develop iPlayer, but he kind of uh, moved off the project and, and went back, back into other work. Ah. And, and, um, and, and, and that was during David Tennant's era. But it's sort of like uh, everything. Everything's time. Everything's time shifted now. So you 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 never really get his good overnight ratings on on a prime time show. Added to that, it was always up against X Factor, which is which is even even now is a ratings juggernaut, even though it's only sort of like demanding about five six million viewers, whereas it used to demand something like twelve to fourteen million viewers. Wow. Sort okay. Of thing. Um, and and Doctor Who's the same. Is um, you know. Doctor Who's gone from an average of eight, eight and nine million viewers to sort of like maybe, you know, five or six in the overnight. So although that said, her first episode um, got eight million viewers live. And then once they added all the time shifting elements on stuff like that, it, it was over it was over eleven million. It actually beat David Tennant's premiere episode. Wow, okay. So you know, but the thing is, a lot of, a lot of people that I wanted to sort of like uh, really hate on the new show, and there's a lot of them online, as you and I both know, um, and they're, they're hating on it for being too too uh, too political. I'm inclined to agree with them somewhat, you know, but you yeah, know, the, the the fact of the matter is. Um, Doctor Who's always been political, as a Star Trek and most other science fiction franchises. And uh, you know, but I think I think um, Doctor Who this year it's been political, but it's not really been too clever at being political. You know no, I mean? although it's although it's been cleverer than some of the American shows that have tried that. Well, yeah, it's been it's been a little cleverer than Supergirl. <laughs> yeah, for example, which we we might get onto. Um, but overall, I I think for for a first season, she's she's done okay. You know. Yeah. It 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 it's uh, it it was not a it was not a flaming disaster. It was better than a flaming disaster, and they've got room for improvement. And hopefully, like I said, um, Chip Nolan Company will take stock. Um, and I just I just hope I just hope whatever happens that uh, that Whitaker doesn't get blamed because Whitaker is doing her job. She may not be doing her job the way that we wish she was for various reasons that are probably, you know, have nothing to do with her. But she's doing her job to the best of her ability with relative to what she's got. And the companions generally are are companions that I want to see how they develop. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you say, she, she's doing her job and she's doing her job under very, very difficult circumstances in, in, in that, you know... There's a whole sleuth of the audience that doesn't want her, and there's a, and you know, and then there's another sleuth of the audience that's quite open and and uh, and willing to actually give her a chance. Yeah, but that's always the truth. That's always the case with every incarnation of the Doctor. There's been or ever will be. I mean, the Doctor is one of those characters that you either love or hate, regardless mm-hmm. of who's playing him or her at the at the point that's it's being done. And it's just it's just a little more pronounced now because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. And but but the overall sentiment remains the same. Um, Doctor Who has always been a polarizing show on that level, and it would it would actually be abnormal if it weren't, frankly. Um, you know, and that's fine. I just hope that the scripts get better. I I'm, I'm with you there. I'm hoping the scripts get better. And um, on that note, I'll although go- and, I, and, I, and I'm going to say something freakishly controversial, I know, but. And this is this is coming from me as a as a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I first watched it when I was thirteen or fourteen years old. Tom Baker forever. Um, we've been watching high end fanfic since two thousand five. 
Yeah. And and I'm okay with that to the extent that high-end fanfic is not a bad thing. I've actually read high-end fanfic that was better than the source material. You know, so if you have good writers, high-end fanfic can actually be quite excellent. But it is, regardless, high-end fanfic. And mm. we have to acknowledge that. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking the other day, if it at all be possible, you know, it, you know, if and this is going to be controversial as well, if Doctor Who would do better if it was just a web series and not, not on mainstream TV, if it just sort of ended up as a web series... And or, they, or they just literally handed it to Big Finish and called it a day. Yeah, or handed it to Big Finish with a with with, with you know with the expertise to do to do TV, to, to do sort of like uh, some some sort of TV or movie production, but on 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 a, a slightly modest budget. Yeah. And, and they did it as sort of like a web series sort of thing mm-hmm. where. Where yeah. they had, where, where they actually went back to the classic format of twenty-five minute episodes in a serialized format and put them out on a streaming service like Netflix or, or something like that. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just wondering if that would work. It would work. I just don't know if it would be sufficient for the audience they want to. Because the, the problem is they, they want generic Doctor Who because they think they need to cater to an international audience. The difference is that back in the day, the original series was the original series, and it just happened to garner an international audience. It was kind of accidental. Mm-hmm. Now they're actively pursuing the international audience, and, it, and that's kind of what's screwing it up. I think that's what's screwing most things up, to be honest. Probably right. Uh, it's, um, because um, Star Trek was an American show. It happened to get a lot of British interest, happened to get a lot of, a lot of uh, interest in and around Europe. And um, and I don't think that was anything to do with it being sort of like made for an international audience. It just happened no, to it resonate. No, it just it just happened. It just happened that way. And, and you know, just like with with Doctor Who, Tom Baker took off in America, and they were like, "Ooh, what's this?" Yeah. You know, and and from from that point on, it's like, "Oh, okay, we've got fans across the pond. That's cute." And and so and they and they left us alone and they let us be the fans across the pond and the actors would do conventions over here and then all of a sudden. You get the um, the high end fanfic from two thousand five on, and they're actively courting us. And, I, and I'm saying this as an American fan. It's a problem mm. because the sensibilities are vastly different. And and I'm saying and I'm saying this as an American fan who actually prefers to a certain extent British sensibilities. It's why I fell in love with Doctor Who in the first place as a teenager. It's what it's it's what I gravitated to when I was watching Tom Baker was the fact that I, I realized I was watching even when I had less developed taste as a 14 year old than I do now. I, I understood enough about what I was watching to grasp the fact that that I was watching an international I was watching a show from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it was this it was the somewhere elseness that I truly, truly glommed onto. And I and I recognized as a contrast from most of what I was watching in the US. Now I have had and will always have favorite US shows. Always will. But at the end of the day, my formative sensibilities are more British than American. Mm. I mean, you know, it's 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 funny when you think about it, you know, mostly shows now are being made for an international audience with with, with the intention of making them for an international audience, which is probably why they're failing. Yeah. They're, 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 they're not failing, just mediocre. Yeah, because, because, they're, because they're trying to be all things to everyone, and it's just not possible to be all things to everyone. I would I would actually prefer it if they sucked outright, because bad shows at least would have camp value going for them. But these shows don't even have that. They're just squarely mediocre. 
and, and I don't know where to put squarely mediocre in my brain at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with it. Um, I was just, just thinking, if you look at the, um, you know, you've got the remake, you, you've got the reboots of Magnum PI, you've got the reboots of MacGyver and stuff like oh, that. And I couldn't even take MacGyver. I couldn't uh, even acknowledge it beyond a certain point. Yeah, so like, um, I, I'm, I'm still watching it, but, you know, I think it's okay. Um, now there's a little bit of mess jack in it, but mm. it's not nowhere near as good or as entertaining as... As, as the original was for me, and it never will be, no, you know. No, um, no. I mean, I, I love the new Hawaii Five-O, but, you know, I uh, I never underst- I never really got the original Hawaii Five-O. That kind of was going off and was finishing while I was growing up. You know, when I went for 14 years, it, it was sort of like, um, I never really got it. They're in Hawaii. Why are they wearing freaking suits, for God's sake? <laughs> you know, and I just never really understood that. And... <laughs> And yeah. it just didn't sit right in my brain. Whereas, mm-hmm. where, whereas now they're the song like uh, they dressed appropriately and stuff like that. And and I like the chemistry between the actors on that show. Even the mm-hmm. new actors that have come in, you know, I, yeah. I, I love watching that series. You know, and, and, that, and that to me is actually a, a good reboot. It's a good remake. But it's probably yeah. only good because I was never into the original show. Whereas yes, if that's I, probably true. If I'd have been into the original show and been invested in the original show, I'd probably think, oh, this is okay. It's not as good as the original sort of thing. Yeah. The, the same with Magnum. I actually quite like the new Magnum, but, you know... Well, I can take or leave it. I'm not really. It's 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 the same as the original Magnum to me. I can take or leave that as well. It's it's the, the shows are designed to tread water for mm-hmm. audiences on both sides of the pond for as long as they can. That's all. That's all we're talking about. Okay, and that's and that's all the franchises, sci-fi and otherwise. Well, it's kind of like uh, I'd really love to see some original science fiction made, um, some more original shows made because it seems to be everything's sort of like franchise now reboots of yeah. old stuff and it's just it's just so like um, it's got to end at some point <laughs> so, the know, closest some... thing we have to original is, is a show like stranger things yeah. which the the duffer brothers have said is going to be a limited run because that because the, of the fact that the children are aging they're only getting they're only going to run for four seasons because the children are aging yeah. and it's it's meant to be an homage to preteen and teen years in the eighties, and so they've they've got a limited window to do that in, yeah. and, and they acknowledge that fact. And, and to be honest, I think preteen and teen years in the eighties were the best. They were. You know, I don't. I don't really. I don't really get. You know, it must be really stressful to be a teenager now. You know, forever checking. Because forever teenagers checking, now are basically little grown-ups. Yeah, forever checking their Instagram, see how many likes have got, and. Uh, how much approval they've got and um, and stuff like that. It's so like it must be really wow. stressful. I, I wouldn't want to be a teenager now. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd rather be a teenager playing Donkey Kong and loving the hang out of those those really shitty computer graphics. Yes. <laughs> Though they were yeah. actually cut, cutting edge back then. <laughs> yes. Or, or, or watching the A team and just having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. And and wondering how in hell, how, how in hell the villains always miss. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Nobody ever got shot on the A-team. I said that one yeah. time when BA got shot, and that was sort of like a freak accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know that's sort of like, uh, you know, and Starsky and Hutch, you know? Yeah. The, the, the art of the hood dive. But 
moving on from 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 nostalgia and stuff like that um we we had the first episode of arrow where is out of the mix yes and i have to say well i've, I've got some issues with the overall storyline storyline on arrow i like where i like what they're doing with oliver this season i like the fact that he's not wearing the mask anymore in, in fact if they if they ditched the secret identities on all of the shows i'd be happier yeah but i don't think they can do because that's sort of it's part of the superhero thing um, yeah, I think I think, I think with Arrow, yeah. I think with Arrow they can get away with it because everyone knows he's on with Queen now, thanks to the yeah, twist yeah. last season. Um, but I think this year it's the women that have been bringing in Arrow. You know the yes. the alliance yes. between between Felicity and um, and Laurel Lance. Yeah. Um, the, the you know the alliance that's been stuck up between her and 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 the other one coming in and stuff like that. It's the it's the female characters that have really been bringing it this season so far. And I've, and I've thought about this if. If we're heading to the end of Arrow and it, and it turns out to be true that Oliver sacrifices himself at the end of Crisis instead of Barry and, and that's how they get rid of Arrow, they've got um, like three different canaries in the Arrowverse that, that could actually go on to, bat, to, um, to the Batwoman show as, as a, as a bird, birds of prey subplot. Regardless of whether they whether they're able to bring hunters back or not, that'd be they cool. still got enough for birds of prey. That'd be cool. Um, and if we'll, they want to, we'll get onto that in a bit in a minute. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, I I, I I like where arrows go in. I like the fact that he's helping the police and there's some resistance from the mayor and stuff like that. And um, yeah, yeah, I just I generally liked it. So moving on to Elseworlds. <laughs> Yes. Um, because, you know, Ruby Rose, Bat- Batwoman, awesome. Yes. If I have one systemic complaint, it's that the three episodes were rushed. They were trying to do a whole lot with not as much time as they needed. Yeah, they, they could have done with the fourth episode. Yeah, they, they really needed the fourth episode, regardless of whether their legends were there or not. Um, but putting the pacing aside as, as a separate conversation, I thought that the narrative beyond that was actually pretty cool. And, um, and, they, and they set a lot of really neat stuff up. Um, that said, structurally, um, Elseworld served three purposes. It served to set up a Superman, a, Superman, a Superman series. It served to set up a Batwoman series. And it served to tee up Crisis next year. That's structurally basically what it was for. You, and, it, and it did all three of those things. So, so. we're going to get a Superman series, or is that just rumor? Because I can't see that's that rumor. That's rumor, but if Arrow goes down in the next year or two, they're going to have a slot. But even if they don't, um, I think Tyler Hoechlin has proven that he, he's basically a god who needs his own show. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, I have to agree with that. I think if they don't do a Superman series, it is a huge wasted opportunity. Because Tang yeah. Hoffman, um, he's nailing it. He's nailing, he's nailing it. it. And so like, given given how given the degree to which he's nailing it, I actually want even even though Ruby Rose was awesome, and even though Batwoman would be more female representation, I actually want a male Superman series more than a Batwoman series at this point. Because um, Tyler Hoechlin is channeling classic Superman. In a, in a really freakishly great way, and and in in a very contemporary sort of way as well. Yes, you yes. Know, and and because of and, and here's the thing: where that bit at the end where Lois is pregnant, that was them factoring in Bitsy Tulis Bitsy Tulis' real life pregnancy. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you, you know why they had to go to the planet to sort of like do that, don't you? Yes. In, in order yes. to in order to make babies, they had to go to the planet because if yeah. they if they'd done it in 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 Earth's uh, in Earth's gravity with Earth's sun, you would have blew a hole yes. straight through her. So you know, just yeah, work. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the old Kevin Smith joke coming out of the woodwork again. <laughs> But it's, it's, it's kind of true. It's funny because it's kind of true. Um, yeah. And it's, and, and because they, they needed an excuse for Superman to not be there for large swaths of Supergirl story. My one issue with it in terms of the overall mythology, though, is that it's more logical for Supergirl to want to go to Argo City long term than it is for Superman to do so. Because Superman is culturally human. He was basically raised on Earth. And he's just suddenly going to go to what's left of the planet he's never seen to interact with the one relative he's got left, which you could understand short term, but in the longer term, which they're implying here, doesn't make quite as much sense. Mm, they're, they're probably implying long term as in maybe a year, maybe two. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because so like, um, he's going to have to come back to Earth at some point, you know. He's going he's to come back for prices. Is that, that's yeah. what's going to happen. And, and he's so. got he's got to pay his taxes and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And yeah. And, um, and and you know make payments on the mortgage and and stuff. Now he can't leave that that stuff in the air for two years. The IRS no. will be after his butt. <laughs> no. The the uh, the other advantage of that though is that when they do come back, and assuming we do get a Superman spinoff, it'll be a Superman spinoff that starts with them already with the baby in tow, which we've never seen. Yeah, and uh, we've you know seen, we've, we've we've seen other iterations of Lois and Clark, but we've never seen domestic Lois and Clark. And, and I realize how problematic a baby would be for some people, but. That you know, while I don't read the comics, I know that there's an iteration of Superman where they actually deal with the fact that they have a son. You know, yeah, and, it's called and, Superman Returns. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, but I mean, his son, his son in the comics, John, I think his name is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's all like they, they they did it in Superman Returns, though, didn't they? With the uh, with, with with the son. And, uh, oh, that's you know, right. They, that's right. And, I, yeah. and, and uh, it turns out the son had superpowers as well. Uh-huh. But you know, it sort of wasn't sort of like immediately obvious and stuff like that. So you know, it's 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 basically gonna you know if they do Superman series, once once their son gets to about ten or twelve, you got Superboy. Yes. And that can spin off from that. Yes. You know, so it's 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 almost like they're designing it to continue on. Yes, which is part of the reason there's a rumor, a strong rumor going around that Arrow is heading out, because they've certainly got enough stuff to replace Arrow with. And with all due respect to Stephen Amell, he is a god in his own right, but he's got a very limited window in which to do all the stuff that he physically does. He's gonna he's gonna run out of steam. Yeah, know? I mean, you know, you don't know how many you don't know how many injuries he's already sustained doing Arrow. Yeah, I mean, I, I figure, I figure, given at the, the at the rate he's physically doing whatever he's doing, putting the actual storylines aside as a separate conversation, and given that he's all but he's been doing it for nine years, factoring in pre-production, he's got he's got maybe 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 five years left, maybe, and then the body is going to start shutting down on him, even at a relatively young age. I mean, I was watching; they were doing a um, a reboot of. Um, one of those celebrity competition shows from the eighties and they had, and they had Kevin Sorbo on and they had uh, Lou Ferrigno on and they had uh, Benny Jones on and the relay, the relay competition was a joke because Kevin Sorbo and Benny Jones couldn't run it Mm -hmm. because they, they all had um, um, artificial hips and they were either coming off of or going into ACL surgeries 
And part of that, part of that for Vinnie Jones was his, his soccer career, but part of it for Shorbo was that, was that he was, Shorbo had been the Amel of the 90s. He's a guy who had done all of his own stunts and stuff, and he'd reamed out his own body. Mm, yeah, there's, there's, another, there's another reason for that, for it with Shorbo as well. With Vinnie Jones, it would have been his knees, because football, yeah. uh, or, or as you guys like to call it, uh, because you're soccer. not proper English soccer, um, it's it's football, okay? Yes. You know, yes. Um, the, the, the definition, you know, I don't even why you Americans call American football football, because that's not football. That's that's 300-pound wimpy grinners wearing lots of armour. I might see some of those guys play rugby. And I was going to say, I'm going to just bring up rugby. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the um, you know with 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 his with his football career, Vinnie Jones probably probably would have done in his knees, and his knees have probably gone. You know, he's probably had he's probably lost the cartilage or two over the years. You know, you know, post his football career, you know, with the yeah. stunts that he's done in other movies, sort of thing. So that would have caused the problem. But I think what what would have slowed down, aside from the um, aside from injuries that he sustained doing Hercules and whatnot. What likely yeah. would have slowed down Kevin Sorbo and likely would have prevented him from being able to run a decent ring a was the fact that he's so big. He carries around so much bulk with him, and That's you know, true. and that and and that kind of bulk it's only built it's only it's only good for short term burst of speed of up to sixty to hundred meters. Once they once they run that, they're out of steam. Whereas a, uh, a, a more slender, ripped sort of athlete can you know can can go on like an ever ready battery. You know, look at Mo Farah, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's to do do, do you know it's his it's also as much to do with the type of body the athlete has as well as the you know yeah, as long as the yeah. entries that they're carrying and yeah. and Sorbo's a big guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mel. Uh, Mel has got, if he's lucky, if nothing goes drastically wrong, he's got five more years at most. And then he's going to have to start making some choices. I, I think he's probably got longer, to be honest. Um, I mean, he, he, could, he could actually, I mean, if you look at, if you look at Stallone's career, slightly different films. So probably not doing the, sa- doing the same thing week in, week out, but he's... Done some, you know, he's done some films and stuff like that. And look at him now; he's still in good shape. True, true. You know? um, I bet he'd kick Vinnie Jones's ass in arena, eh? but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, sort of like, uh, sorry, Vinnie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please don't kill me. I know you're missing. Don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just sort of like, uh, I, I, I think he's, I think he's probably got longer if he looks after himself. Um, maybe doesn't take on as many physical roles after Arrow. Sort of yeah, thing. just tries to tries to do something else for you know. You know, may, maybe maybe plays a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Which is you know a safe bet. <laughs> I'll do what Raymond Burr did and you know and sit himself down in a wheelchair for a for a, yes, for a few seasons. Yes, that was that was awesome. <laughs> I actually I actually was quite fond of Ironside when I stumbled on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. You know, yeah, do, do do something like that. I I think he's got, you know, I think he's got craving after him after after Arrow sort of thing. Although I've got a feeling he's going to find it difficult to find uh, another role that will resonate with the audience as much as Arrow has. Yeah, yeah, because you know, Arrow, so Arrow has made his career, and I think and I think he understands that because if you if you follow Amel 
Um, this is a guy who's got other irons in the fire financially. He's got some side side things happening. Yeah, I like so. the guy. I've actually um, he does a lot for charity. He's very philanthropic. He does. He does. You know, he's he, he does a lot. You know, I think I think I read something about him being in a, involved in a campaign against cyberbullying quite a while ago. Yeah. He was, yes, yeah. He, 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 I think he jumped on board with Chase Masterson's campaign, which was um, against cyberbullying, which was a really mm. cool thing. That yeah, he, he's, he, yeah, he's doing a lot of things, and um, and he's got a lot of irons in the fire. I think I think, I think think the diversification is, is going to help him um, you know, land on his feet at whatever point he comes to the realization that he can't maintain... I don't think Arrow is going to run as long as Supernatural. It might run longer than I think it will, but I don't think it's going to run as long as Supernatural. I think it's maybe got a year left. Which would bring it right up to crisis. So Yeah, I, I think it's got a year left. Um, I don't think it's got any longer than that. If it, if it goes longer than another year, I'll be very, very surprised because it's, it's so, you know, there's the kernel in, in Elseworlds, as you say, for two two other shows. And and they've been talking about doing a Birds of Prey show for ages. Yeah, you know, and they've got the fixings for around. Birds of Prey regardless of whether they bring Jessica Dugau back as Huntress or not. Yeah. They've got you know, all of the canaries. They've got like three canaries. And if they cancel Legends, which they could do, you know, uh, Katie Lotz is going to have to go somewhere. Yeah, so. Legends Legends is, I, I believe Legends is on the bubble this year. Yeah, but then Legends was always on the bubble, so. Yeah, but I believe it's more on the bubble this year than it, than it has been, so I think. Mm. Um, not sh- I, you know, I, I'm not sure how this season's actually going across with people. I mean, I, I watched I'm, them. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but then, my, like I said, my tastes have always been a bit different. So I watched the last episode. I was in hysterics. <laughs> it, the Legends of Timiomia? Yeah. <laughs> Even my cat watched that. She loved it. Yes. Yeah, I just, I mean, because, you know me, I'm, I'm the audience for anything vaguely resembling a super pet. So the fact that the characters had to wander around actively with a cat carrier, with a cat in it for large swaths of the episode, and that it narratively made complete sense, coupled with the fact that you had the uh, Charlie's Angels and uh, A-Team homages, um, were just exquisite. (laughs) I was the audience for every nanosecond of that episode. Do you know what I want to see? I want to see... Disney did a film back in the 70s. Uh, you might remember it, you might not. It's called The Cat from Space, and it was about this talking cat that came down to Earth. Vaguely, vaguely. I, I think to... I saw it some years back. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to see, see, see them do a TV sitcom of that. <laughs> <laughs> of, of this talking cat living with a suburban family. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and them taking it out on day trips on them and... The amount of trouble it could cause by casting aspersions and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I'd love to see that. That would be <laughs> funny. <laughs> because, you know, you can imagine cats, you know, with them being quite sassy, you can imagine them being really, really sarcastic and and really, really evil. Yes, <laughs> yes. In, in, in ever so much, in, in ever so fun, fun way. So I'd love to see TV series about a cat from space coming down to Earth and moving in with a suburban family. And then they're the only people that knows it can talk, you know, sort of thing. And when it, whenever it goes goes out with them, it's all like cast aspersions. And hey, it was him. But 
know. Yeah, Legends Legends for me has been firing on all cylinders, and I would I would miss it dreadfully. Um, that said, because the the show was set up the way it was to sort of be the catch all for the characters they didn't otherwise know what to do with, those characters could be put back where they started from. Yeah, I mean they could or, put they could put White Canary back into the Arrowverse, or even put her into the Nashverse, or yeah, and. And 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 Constantine has proven that he can go wherever they send him. And Matt Ryan is having the time of his life, obviously. So mm-hmm. you know, so that's that's fine. So I'm I'm not as much as I would miss Legends as an overall construct because it is my favorite of the shows. I'm, you know, unabashedly, just because it, it's so wonderfully batshit. Um, they've got they they've got places to put everyone if if they don't want the sh- to do the show anymore. Well, you do know what could happen next, don't you? Um, if if they if Matt Ryan proves to be as um, as popular on on um, on on thingy with more people, they could actually do the uh, the the Justice League Dark. I would love that so much. I've been wanting Justice League Dark. I don't read a lot of the comics, but I've kept up with you know animated adaptations, and I've, and I've done basic research. and And the Justice League Dark universe, from what I've seen of it. Um, I adore the Justice League dark animated film that, that Matt Ryan participated in as Constantine. I thought that was brilliant. I'd actually, I'd, I, that was the kind of thing I'd been waiting for since they introduced magic into the Arrowverse back in season three, season four. So I, w- I would love it. I would totally be the audience for that. Yeah, I, I'd do that as well. It'd be cool. Yeah. Um, so with the um, with with Elseworlds, it set up everything beautifully for um, for, for Infinite Earths. It did, and mm. I'm just hoping. Here's the thing: they're gonna need more than one. They're gonna need more than one episode each for the shows. They're gonna they're, if they're gonna do Crisis properly, they're probably gonna have to have it bleed into the seasons proper before the crossover even starts. And I'm not just talking about periodically showing the newspaper. I'm talking about everything else. Um, a lot, a lot of that season leading up to the crossover is going to have to itself be a crossover as they lay in the groundwork. Otherwise, I don't know how they're going to be able to tell that because even an abridged version of Crisis for television, from what I've from what I've come across, you know, as a as someone who's been doing the, the research for this, it's it's a lot of moving parts. It was the entire DCU, and it's going to have to be the entire DCU relative to the CW DCU. Even if they don't include Black Lightning, I hope they do. But even if they don't include Black Lightning, um, you know, they're they're going to have to get much more expansive than even a four or five episode crossover. They're 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 going to have to bite the bullet and actually do Crisis. It's going to be a lot, but they're going to have to just own it and go down the road. Mm, it's it's it's, um, it's going to be a huge undertaking. That yeah, um, they're they're not going to be. I can I can see the um, main main narratives for the individual shows that season being much more straightforward, a little a little less labyrinthine, because they're going to have to focus a lot more writing energy on the crossover, regardless of how many episodes it is, just because they're going to have to to keep so many more plates in the air so that we're probably going to have to brace ourselves for um, simpler plots with bigger character beats to compensate for the simpler plots as the writers are focusing on what they have to do for a crisis. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's and that's even if all it is is the crossover of four or five episodes. I imagine that most of the writing energy is going to go into however many episodes are Crisis next year. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to. They're not going to have a choice if they want to do it to be to be anything that's halfway decent. Mm-hmm. And that's um, and that's probably a really good point to end on. Yes. Um, so I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Um, we're going to have one more show coming towards the close of December, uh, which is kind of going to be a best and worst of the year uh, show in terms of the movies and TV shows that uh, myself and um, and, and uh, Mark's Pyle, the host of John Retainment, have been watching. So we're going to be do, going to be recording that tomorrow in, in the hopes of getting it out towards the... Uh, towards the end of the year um so this is like the last regular episode of the year uh so until until that next year we we wish you a, a really good holiday season and uh hope that you have a, a prosperous and brilliant new year so bye for now